Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Our, our, our series that we're kicking off today, Sweet Dreams, with the tagline, What Keeps You Up at Night? Now, I can tell you what kept me up last night. <laughs> My beautiful, wonderful, you can't get mad at her when she smiles at you, two-year-old daughter who decided that 1.40 was the wake-up time. She kept us up last night. <laughs> and she's still probably keeping people in the, the, the sprout room up right now. Uh, but anyway, what keeps you up at night? Have you ever heard the phrase, you know, sleeps like a baby? Who came up with that? <laughs> people who've never had kids. <laughs> No idea. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Never. I, I, I want to sleep like a, a grown adult, man. I could just lay down and not wake up in the middle of the night. Good Lord, sleep like a baby. Anyway, um, makes absolutely no sense. We're talking about fear. Fear. Most of us in this room, we fear something. What are you afraid of? What are you fearful of? I asked that question on Facebook this week. Just kind of did an impromptu uh, kind of survey of people who are, are my friends. And I was like, hey, what do you fear? What are you afraid of? What are you fearful of? And we got, you know, a, a lot of typical answers. Heights and death and spiders and snakes and all those things. But, but some people kind of opened up and shared even a little bit deeper of what they're afraid of. Somebody said, I'm afraid of outliving my children. Those of you who are parents, you kind of get that, right? Dads, there was a dad said, I'm afraid of not being a good father. I have that, have that fear. Somebody else said, uh, somebody who's, who, who doesn't have kids, she said, I'm, I'm afraid of never becoming a mom. And you know that fear has probably kept her up at night from time to time. I'm afraid something will happen to my kids and I won't be able to take their pain away. I'm afraid of not being able to provide for my family. I'm afraid of messing my kids up psychologically, amen? I'm afraid of what kind of, you know, who, who am I actually giving a job to in the future because they got to counsel my kids because of what I've done to them, you know? I, I'm, I'm afraid of being single for the rest of my life. Mm, you know, that, 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 that keeps you away. I'm afraid of never being healthy again. You know those have been some sleepless nights with those things just going on in your head because we all fear something. None of us are alone in that. Fear strikes the weak as well as the powerful. Fear will hit you whether you're rich or poor, whether you're young or old. Fear will strike you. I sat down and I made my own list. I took about two to three minutes and just sat down and I said, you know, what am I afraid of? And, and I just want to be vulnerable and share with you some of my fears. I'm afraid of letting everyone down. I have this fear that, that, that I'm going to do something and I'm going to disappoint so many people. I, I, I fear that I'll never see my dreams become a reality. That the things I believe God has spoken to my heart and to my mind, I'll never see them actually happen. I, I fear that. I fear that, that for some reason my kids will grow up and they won't love and respect me because they spend so much time around me. You know what I mean? The people who know you the most should respect you the most, but the fear is the people who know you the most respect you the least, and, and that's a fear. I have a fear of being strangled. Something about stuff around my throat just messes me up. Like if you sneak up behind me, I'll put my hands around my throat because I, I think you're going to get a piano wire and like, get me. 
I don't, it's weird. So our fears don't have to make sense. Sometimes they're irrational. I, I, one of the things that keeps me awake at night is worrying that there is a kid somewhere in the world being exposed to Nickelback. <laughs> Can't sleep. Can't sleep. Sometimes I, I fear that I'll grow up to be too much like my dad. You know what I mean? So that, that, that stresses me out sometimes. I, I, I fear that I'll offend somebody to the point where they stop pursuing Jesus. That something I will say or something I'll do or, or the hypocrisy that's in my own life as a pastor, amen, will, will cause somebody to divert and not follow Jesus. I, I, I'm afraid that I'll have to be exposed to Miley Cyrus twerking again. Dear God, please no. May I never have to see that on TV ever again in my life. I'll be okay. Financial fears. I have financial fears just like you have financial fears. I look at my, my, my income and I think, God, will, I have, will, will we make it? You know, I don't, I don't know. Did you know this? You may not know this. Every time I sit down to prepare a sermon or a message, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that I'll go to the well and come up empty. I'm afraid I won't have anything to say. I'm afraid that I will have exhausted everything that I've got. Every week I battle that fear. We all have fears. We all, every one of us, how many in the room, if you would just get honest and say, yes, I am struggling with at least one fear right now in my life. Would you just raise your hand? Just be honest. Yeah, look, look. all of us, you know. Fear, you're, one of the things that fear will do to you is fear will convince you that you're alone in your fear, that you're the only one who experiences fear. But look around the room. We all just said, yeah, I'm, I'm going through something that's got me afraid. What do we do with that? What do we do with those thoughts, those fears? How, how do we deal with the sleepless nights, the worry, the, 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 the fear that, 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 you know, we're somehow going to miss out on something? You know, if, if you say, you know, I, I, don't, I don't get it, I'm not afraid ever, you need to check your pulse because you're probably not alive. Like, we, we all fear something. Fear's crippling, right? I mean, fear can paralyze you in the moment. Fear is like a thief, you know? Fear will, will, will erode your freedom and run away with your joy. If you dwell on your fear, it, the, the worst thing that fear can do to you is fear can keep you from realizing God's purpose in your life. Because you, you're afraid to, to, to embrace the moment. Fear can cause a lot of damage in our hearts. Fear can cause our minds to feel like chaos sometimes. Well, Jesus had a lot of, to, to say about fear, actually. Um, in, in the New Testament, Jesus gave us approximately 120 different kind of commands and imperatives. Like, do this, do not do this, 120 times plus that. Jesus said things like that. And did you know that 20% of them, one out of every five times Jesus said, do this, it had to do with fear. Do not be afraid. Do not fear Take heart. Have courage. The, 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 the most repeated phrase that Jesus will say with his own mouth in the New Testament, he says it 15 times. He says, do not fear. He says it more than love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Fear. Now, frequency doesn't equal like importance, but it is safe to say if Jesus says it so many times, it's probably important to him. It's probably a big deal to him. He, he knew what was at stake if, if we let fear kind of, kind of invade our hearts. See, one of the things we have to ask ourselves is where does fear come from? 
Like, like why do we feel afraid? And, and here's kind of the working definition that we're going to uh, spring from in this entire series. It's this right here. Look at the screen with me. Fear comes from an elevated sense of vulnerability and a shrinking sense of power. You experience fear in your life when you find yourself in this situation where you feel vulnerable, where you feel exposed, where, where you feel like you're in some kind of danger. You know what I mean? And your power is slipping away. Your ability to do something about the danger that you experience is eroding. Fear comes from an elevated sense of vulnerability and a shrinking sense of power. Now, it's human nature, but before we go any further, we have to understand that fear is normal. Okay, we all feel fear. And sometimes fear is good. Like, fear is the reason that we don't pet, like, lions and tigers and bears, oh my, right? Like, that's the reason we don't go into the woods and try to pet the bears. It's because of fear. Because we recognize that if we get in the woods with the bears, then, then we have an elevated sense of vulnerability and a shrinking sense of power. And so we feel fear. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. That's the reason we are still alive, some of us. You know? The, the fear kept us alive, kept us from doing something stupid because we got afraid. But sometimes, fear is not so good. Especially when it's irrational. Especially when it makes no sense at all. A lot of times, fear is not caused by the situation that we're in. A lot of times, fear is caused by negative thinking. We make assumptions about our vulnerability and about our power. Sometimes fear, fear can, fear can. Uh, let's say you fear failure, okay? You, you have a fear of failure, and so this opportunity comes up, and you're afraid that you're going to fail at it, so you procrastinate. And because you procrastinate, you miss the opportunity that was coming if you would have taken advantage of it and pushed beyond your fear of failure. Let's say that, 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 that your fear um, is, is, is causing you to be pessimistic and gloomy. Well, that's going to affect your entire outlook on life. If you have a situation, maybe it's a relationship or a circumstance that has come up and it's causing you to fear, feel fearful. That's really a tongue twister with those F's in there. Feel fearful. How do you deal with that? What do you do? How do you fight that off? Well, see, oftentimes, here's what I've discovered, and here's kind of where we're heading with, with our whole series. Fear isn't actually the problem. The problem that you're facing is not a fear problem at all. A lot of times, fear's not the main problem, especially if you're a Christian. If you don't identify as a Jesus follower, it's, fear is still not really your problem, but especially if you identify as a Jesus follower, if fear is wreaking havoc on your mind, the main issue isn't fear. It's trust. Fear is not the problem. We don't have a fear problem. We have a trust problem. You see, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 tells us to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So when my vulnerability is increasing and my power, my control of the situation is decreasing, the question is, will I lean into the trust I have for God? Will I lean into that or will I lean into my fear? Am I fully trusting? See, we don't have a fear problem. We have a trust problem. When our vulnerability decrease, or increases and our power decreases, who do we trust? Do we trust ourselves? 
Do we trust Him? See, the goal of this series, when we're talking about fear, is not to try to get you to fear less. You can't live a fear-free life. God is not the means by which you have fear avoidance. God sometimes will put you in a position that causes you to be fearful. And we're going to look at some of those in this series. But the focus of this series is not on how I can fear less, but on how I can trust God more. That's the solution to fear. It's not about about removing yourself from situations that cause fear, but even in the midst of those, leaning in to the trust. Leaning not on your own understanding, not on your fear, but trusting in God with all your heart. It's not about fear, it's about trust. How can I trust God more? How can I trust Him more today than I did yesterday? And how can I trust Him more tomorrow than I do today? And it's in that trusting God, knowing God, uh, leaning into God that we overcome fear. If you have a Bible, I want you to open it up to Psalm chapter 121. Psalms 121. We're going to look at this psalm uh, that has these unbelievable, just kind of visual images on how we should live our life. It's just this awesome kind of picture. If you have a Bible, open it up there. If you don't have a Bible, check it out on the screen with me. Or look on the back of your program and it gives you instructions on how to log on to Version, where you can find a scripture, a place to take notes, some some. Things you can share on your Facebook or your Twitter page. By the way, if you have a like the Vertical Church Facebook page, the little message and go like it. We're done with that. All right. Psalm chapter 121. Let's just start with verse 1. The psalmist says this. The psalmist says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Let's just pause right there. Lift up my eyes. This is a common Hebrew expression. Okay? And, and he, he is not talking about my physical eyes. Although there may be some of that. This person may be on a journey and they're going and Jerusalem sits on like seven hills and so they're getting close. So, so I'm going to look up to the mountains and, and I'd see Jerusalem. There may be a little bit of that there, but there's this common phrase, I lift up my eyes, where the idea is I focus my attention on. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. I focus my, I place my mind in a specific direction. It speaks to this amazing freedom that we have as human beings. The freedom to choose what you think about. The freedom to choose what your focus will be on. The freedom to choose where you place your attention. You get the opportunity to choose. Will you focus on your problems? Many people do that. Will you choose to focus on your fear? Lots of us do that. Will you focus on your, 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 de- your, your increasing vulnerability? Or you can choose to place your focus in a different place. And that's what the psalmist is going to encourage us to do. Let's keep on going with verse 1. Uh, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Isn't that a great question? Like every one of us in the room, we've got to answer that question. Whether you, whether you follow Jesus or you're just kind of coming back and checking Him out and like, what is this church thing about? We all have to answer this question. Where are you looking for help? When you get in a situation and fear tries to rattle your confidence, where do you go for help? When you feel anxiety and worry grabbing its little hands and, and starting to squeeze around your neck and choking the life out of you, where do you go for help? When you feel kind of, kind of the grips of uncertainty in your mind, where do you go for help? We all have to answer this question. 
every one of us in the room have to come to grips with where do we go when we feel fearful? What do we do? You see, some of us choose to numb our fears. Some of us believe if we can just take the right substance or have the right relationship or spend time with him or spend time with her, then our, our, our fears will be numbed. And some of you are trying to numb your own fears. That's why you're addicted to the bottle. That's why you're addicted to the pills. That's why you're addicted to the internet pornography because you're just trying to numb the fear that you don't want to deal with. Some of us try to numb our fears. Some of, some of us just try to, try to create so many other competing voices in our heads that we just don't hear it anymore. Some of us try to distract ourselves from our fears. We, we, we pursue this relationship. We pursue this career opportunity. We pursue you know, this, this hobby. And not that any of those things are bad in and of themselves, but when they are the, when, when they are the thing you go to for help... <laughs> When they are the thing that when you answer the question, where does my help come from? My help comes from this relationship so that my fears can be distracted and I can forget them. Some of us try to forget our fears by being distracted by other things in our lives. But the psalmist isn't going to let us get by with that answer. No, no, no. He, he asks the question and then he answers himself before we really even have time to think. Verse, verse 2, let's start back on verse 1. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Verse 2, my help comes from. From the Lord. My help comes from the Lord. You see, when we feel fear, do you know what we do? We hop into control mode. You know what I mean? Like, like it's fear mode. It's, it's that mode where, okay, uh, my, my vulnerability is increasing, my control and power is decreasing, so I've got to start manipulating the things in my life to try to get them to, to act the right way and try to pull it all together. And then we end up trying to control things that we were never designed to control in the first place. And so the fear just grows. We, we, we try to get our hands into, into manipulating things that are so beyond our ability that, that when we fall short, the fear just grows. And so we need a reminder, and that's what the psalmist gives us. The psalmist says, listen, listen, it's God, not me, that's in control. When, when you feel fear, what are you going to do? I'm going to, well, where are you going to focus your attention? Where are you going to focus your eyes? Where, what are you going to lift up your eyes to? Well, I'm going to lift up my eyes, the psalmist says, on the Lord because He, not me, is in control. When I have fear, you see, the temptation is for me to assume a position in the world that was never mine to begin with. To assume this, this position. And the temptation is to trust my strength. The temptation is to trust my gifting. The temptation is to lean into my resources. Or, or to lean into my network of friends. And let me tell you. There's a realization that we need to have. None of that stuff can help you. You may look to that. That may be the thing that you answer the question with. But it will ultimately fall so short. So I lift my eyes up. I put my attention on. I put my focus on the Lord. Why? Because that's where my help comes from. Yes. That's my source of strength. And I might be afraid because my power is shrinking. So I look to the one who's never had a power failure. I look to the one who's never had a dip in his ability. I look to the one who's never experienced a blackout, never fallen short. He's always paid his bill and they've never cut off his power. Amen. I look to him when my power is decreasing. Y'all aren't listening to me this morning. I'm preaching a lot better than your amen. <laughs> Y'all 
When I when 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 fear and 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 stress and anxiety starts creeping up on my mind and my and my anxiety is increasing, my vulnerability is increasing and my power is decreasing, where do you go for help? Who do you look to? What do you look to? The psalmist says, my help comes from the Lord. Well, who is he? The psalmist answers us and tells us, well, he is the maker. The last part of verse 2, the maker of heaven and earth. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, what the psalmist is telling us is, is he's pointing us to the maker rather than that thing that was made. He's, he's, he's directing our attention away from the creation and towards the creator. He's saying, he's saying, the Lord, I look to the Lord for my help because he is the maker of heaven and earth. In other words, he is the author of your life. He, he is the author and the, uh, of the story of your life. You see, one of the things that causes us to be afraid is when we get into our life and life isn't turning out the way we thought it should. And we start making assumptions. We, we assume the authorship of our lives. Like, like all of us in this room, if we're just honest, we've got our life plans, right? Like, like we've got the story mapped out. And, and you thought that you'd be married by now. And you're not. You're starting to wonder, will I ever get married? I had it mapped out. I had the story written. It's not happening. Some of you thought that you would be here in your career. And the reality is, you're only here. You had it mapped out. You had the story written and it's not happening the way you thought it should. So fear starts raising its ugly head. What are you going to do? It's not happening the way you thought it should happen. Some of you thought you'd have kids by now, but you don't. And so fear starts setting in. Are, are we ever? Is my life ever going to look like I thought it would? Is this, is this part of my life always going to be like this or is it ever going to change? Will this thing that I'm facing, will it, will it, will, will it overcome me and overtake me? Will I ever have victory of this? Things aren't going out as, turn, turning out as planned. You remember, those of you who grew up in church, if you were in youth group, say amen. Like if you went to church and you were in a youth group. Uh, I guarantee you, you memorized Jeremiah 29 and 11, right? Like every teenager in, in, in Christian, like Christendom, every teenager has ever been to church, like memorized Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And every teenager is like, dear God, I got plans, you know. But here's the reality. We all have plans. Nobody, and you should have plans. Like, nobody should go and live their life like, I have no plans. I'm just going to float and do what, you know. It doesn't work. Like, we all got to have plans. God's not terribly interested in your plans. Did you hear what Jeremiah said? Jeremiah quoted God and says, God says, I know the plans I have for you. I don't care about your plans. <laughs> I've got plans. God, in the Bible, God is always interrupting our plans. You ever notice that? He's, he's always interrupting our plans. There's not a single story in the Bible that starts out, then some human being had a really great plan. No. no. Noah didn't have a plan to build an ark and to get 
animals on there and spend days and nights with a bunch of stinky, you know, smelly animals. He didn't have a plan to do that. Moses didn't have a plan to to rescue the Hebrews and and, and wander around the desert for, for years and die in the wilderness. He didn't have a plan to do that. God interrupted his plans. Mary, the mother of Jesus, didn't have a plan to get pregnant and be a teenage mom who's not married, but God had a plan. Paul didn't have a plan to get shipwrecked, but God had a plan to save the people on the island. God doesn't care about your plans. He's got a plan. And He's the author of your plan. So if you know from whom your help comes, you don't have to be afraid whatever comes your way. Because He's got a plan. And if you can trust in His plan and lean into His plan, whatever happens, you don't have to be afraid. I lift up my eyes to the mountain. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Now, I want to. I want you to see this. I want you to see in the next few verses how many times the psalmist says the word watch. In fact, I want you to say it for me. Verse 3. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches keep it up, come on, over Israel will never sleep, nor will never slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will It's the same word, actually, in the Hebrew. Keep and watch. It's the same word. He he will keep you from all harm. He will over your life. The Lord will over your coming and going both now and forevermore. What does that mean? That means the Lord's on watch. (laughs) It means the Lord's got watch duty. Those of you in the Navy, you know what I'm talking about. He's got watch duty. What does that mean? It means He's always watching. He's on the lookout. And He doesn't need a rotation. And He doesn't need you to come and give Him time off. And He doesn't need to go to lunch. And He doesn't need to take a nap. And He doesn't need to go home and go to bed. He's on watch. And if God's on watch, that means I'm the watchee. (laughs) If God is the watcher, that means I am the watchee. In other words, I am the kind of being that needs to be watched. Follow me here. There are moments in your life when you, when you feel like you're in danger and your vulnerability is increasing and your power is decreasing and you don't know what's going to come of the situation that you found yourself in. And you don't know how things are going to turn out. You, you look at your marriage and you're like, I, I don't know if this marriage is going to make it or if it's going to fall apart. I, I don't know if my career is going to take off or just stay flat. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen to the house. What's going, I don't know what's going to happen to us financially. How are the kids going to turn out? And, and, and what about my health? And when everything starts feeling shaky and you feel all alone and you feel stuck and when God isn't rescuing, when, when God isn't restoring, and when it doesn't look like he's healing, when it doesn't feel like he's even there at all, you got to know something, the psalmist says. you got to know that he's on watch. And he's not looking away. And in those moments, you got to remind yourself, I lift up my eyes from to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, the author of my life, the one who's got a plan. And he's on watch. My help comes from him and he won't let me slip. He's not falling asleep. He's going to keep you from harm, whether I'm coming or going, he's on watch. I don't have to be afraid. When fear, when fear sneaks up on you, and it's the middle of the night and you can't sleep, 
and you're wondering, what's with all these sleepless nights? What am I going to do? How am I going to get out? God, you're not showing up. God, what are you doing? He's on watch. He's watching you. He's not going to stop watching you. And it doesn't mean that everything's going to turn out okay. It doesn't mean you're going to get everything that you want. What it means is that God is with you. And he'll never leave you. And you can trust in him. You see, as cliche as this sounds, as we get ready to kind of wrap up, God is the answer to all our fears. I know that sounds simplistic, and I know that sounds cliche, and I know it sounds like, you know, elementary school theology, but God really is the answer to every fear that we have. Because if God is good, we believe He is. And if God is loving, and He is. And if God is all-powerful, and He is. And if God has a plan for your life, and He does, if you are His children, if you're His child, if you're His son, and you're His daughter, which you are, you don't have to fear anything because God controls everything. Now, I spent this week trying to look and see if this guy actually said this, and I couldn't. Everywhere I looked... All I found was attributed to, or, or somebody, nobody would say, here's where he said it, but there's a guy named John Wesley, lived back in the 1700s. He's the founder of the Methodist Church. He preached all over uh, England, and he even came and preached in some in America. It didn't go so well while he was here, so he went back to Britain, okay? He started the Methodist Church, and he would preach to, to countless people, and, 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 and a whole movement kind of birthed out of the fire that was in this man's heart, and, he, and, and it just spread like, like wildfire, and he said this about fear, possibly. Again, I don't know where he said it, but everybody says he said it, so we're just going to pretend that he said it, because it's that good, okay? Look what he said. You can look it on the screen while I read it. I have never known more than 15 minutes of anxiety or fear. Whenever I feel fearful, emotions overtaking me, I just close my eyes and thank God that He is still on the throne, reigning over everything, and I take comfort in His control over all the affairs of my life. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how you would feel if you had that kind of attitude in your heart? Can you imagine how good you would sleep at night this was true about you, what would happen? What could a community of, of, of people who are completely trusting Jesus with everything that they've got, what could they accomplish if their attitude was, I just, I just thank God that He's still on the throne running over everything and I take comfort in His control over the affairs of my life so I don't have to be afraid. How would that affect your daily life? How would that affect the way you parent? How would that change your marriage? How would that change the way you operate in your career? If you could take this attitude and put it in your heart, this is what the psalmist says. We don't have to be afraid of anything because we know from whom our help comes. And so whatever comes our way, we're good because he's on watch. And if he's on watch, I don't have to be. I don't have to worry. I don't have to be afraid. You see, the goal 
is not to fear less. The goal is to trust more. To trust God more. What would that look like for someone like you in a situation like yours? If you were to sit down with coffee, for, for coffee with a friend of yours, and they laid out a situation that looks like the situation you have, and you just heard this message, what would you tell them? What would your advice be? How would you encourage them? Can you tell yourself that this morning? What would it look like for someone like you in a situation like yours to trust God completely because He's reigning over everything. He has control over all the affairs of my life. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, all of us in here, none of us are exempt from fear. Fear has no respecter of, of who we are. It, it will attack us whether we followed you for 50 years or whether we're just checking you out today. Whether we're strong, whether we're weak, whether we have money or whether we're struggling financially. Fear doesn't care. So God, would you help us to lean in? Lean into you. Lean into trusting you. Lean in, not on our own understanding, not that way, not on our fears, not on our worries, not tilt us the other way. Let us lean into the trusting in you with all our heart. <laughs> you might be in a situation this morning that's got you terrified. Maybe it's at your work, maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it's financially. And fear is tormenting you and keeping you up at night. I wish I had a three-step process for how do you overcome that. I only got one step. Trust God. What does that look like, Pastor Josh? Well, it looks like focusing your attention on Him and leaning into His trust and leaning into His power. When your power is slipping away, lean into His. Now there's a lot of ways we could accomplish that and a lot of things we could do, but I can't think of anything better to lean into that relationship and to lean into that trust than just collectively together singing the song and letting our worship team take us one more time into the presence of God, into what, what Wesley was saying, into that throne area where we can see Him still on the throne reigning over everything. And if you can get that picture in your head, then fear will start losing its grip on your life. So here's what I want you to do. I want everybody in the room to stand with me. And we're going to sing together. And then we'll close out when the song is finished. But for now, just do what the psalmist said. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Would you focus your attention on God? You might want to lift your physical eyes up as a way of, of telling your heart, I'm going to lift up. I'm going to look up. Some of us are so focused on looking down that we got to look up from time to time to get a different perspective in life. To see Him reigning and to see His power. Just look up. 
And while the, while the band leads us into this song, maybe you want to lift your hands and maybe you want to sing along and maybe you just want to tell Jesus how much you love Him. But just spend this time focusing your attention on Him, lifting your eyes up to Him. Where does your help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Lord, we love You. We praise You. May we give our focus and our attention. May we place our eyes on You. In Jesus' name we pray. We all said. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.